Hey guys, and welcome to Food at the Table, the small group podcast with Rev and Kev. You know, this has been a really fun adventure so far. I mean, with our two episodes up, everything that we're doing is just... We're so grateful that we have such a great response to this. Thank you guys so much for, you know, actually partaking in listening to our podcast, subscribing to our channels. I mean, this is just amazing to see. For sure, man. Like, kind of like I said in the first episode, I... I was coming into this expecting this would be just like something we upload for nobody to ever look at. But the fact that people are kind of coming to it and we've actually started getting a following is kind of mind-blowing. It really is. We were laughing. Uh, me and Kevin, we went to a Tennessee Falls game this Thursday and we're sitting there in the middle of the auditorium, the middle of the stadium, whatever the thing was, watching the game and all of a sudden my phone buzzes. I look down and says, oh, hey, look, you have a subscriber on Anchor. I just looked at Kevin and was like, hey, look, we got one. But it's been amazing. From there, it just started, and we it's boomed so far. It's amazing to see you guys just stepping out and saying, hey, now we want to support what you guys are doing. Thank you guys so much. We really do appreciate that from you guys. And now, Kevin, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask you what our topic is today, because this is something that's been beating us over the head twice already. Yeah. You know, we talked in the last episode. Um... About uh, Peter stepping out of the boat. And this story is, uh, uh, again, Peter is stepping out of a boat. We're talking about whenever Peter uh, was walking on water going after Jesus. Um, but this isn't the first time this has popped up in our conversations. Not at uh, all. You know, again, we talked about in the last episode, that <laughs> midnight conversation that we had. This story kind of came up a few times. And so we thought we might as well talk about it on here. Definitely. That was one thing that we were laughing at today is me and Kevin started off our day. We were recording this on Sunday. And we were starting off our day in the morning day in Sunday school, getting ready for Sunday school. And the Lord started conversations with us. Mm-hmm. We started talking back and forth in this idea. And then the sermon started. Our minister of music, uh, Mike Daniel, started talking right before the special. And it smacked us across the head. Pastor Brian got up behind the mic and started talking, and it just smacked us up beside the head. And we're sitting here going, Lord, what are you talking about? What are you wanting us to do here? Mm-hmm. And it's just it's exciting to see because it all just connected today. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of made all the gray turn into black and white, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And that's kind of how this story is. There isn't really any gray in this story. It's all pretty black and white. Definitely. Our biggest, when we talk about Peter walking on the water, we're, we're going to be kind of focusing on Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Mm. And it's just where the passage kind of brought us to. And it's this idea of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you know, we talked about it in a little bit in our last episode how uncomfortable it would have been for Peter to step out, leaving everything he had behind, how the disciples literally left everything they had behind them to chase after Christ. Mm-hmm. And here we are in another spot kind of moment in scripture where literally God is calling Peter to do something very uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, really this kind of stepping out off of a boat into just deep water, really you have to think if anything goes wrong, that could, that could mean death. Definitely. I mean, in this time you have to think like the sea was something that was unknown. They didn't have mm-hmm. submarines. They didn't have these things. They didn't know what was at the bottom of the water. So, like, fishermen, when they would go out on these boats, you know, it was one of the most dangerous occupations to ever have. And they're just exploring the deep. They're fishing. They're going somewhere that sea uh, storms could just show up out of nowhere mm-hmm. and flip the boat in a heartbeat. And if the boat flips, you're more or less done for. Pretty much, because there is no life jackets at this time. I mean, a lot of people actually lash themselves to the ship so that they ever fell off the side of the ship. But what happens if the ship turns over? Gone. Yeah, definitely. You see, when we pick up in the story, in the book of Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33, because we're going to say it twice, three times, four times, because we have a habit of saying the wrong chapter. Oh, yeah. Every time. Every time. <laughs> so we're kind of just giving you that heads up there. But we're kind of finding the disciples after the feeding of the 5,000. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we started off this podcast, 
we were laughing because we were doing the study. We we're trying to go through this, trying to find out where God was really kind of directing us here in the passage. Mm-hmm. And this is right after where he fed the 5,000, right after where the name of this podcast came from. Yeah, we we very briefly uh, mentioned um, kind of what was going on with uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. We kind of... We kind of skimmed over this, uh, in a sense, just because in the book of John, it doesn't really make any special uh, mention of when Peter himself gets out of the boat and walks on the water. It just says they sailed across the sea. Yeah. Uh, in Matthew, it actually goes into deep into detail about what's going on. So I'll I'll just go ahead and uh, read what's going on. So. Uh, uh, in verses 15 through 21, that's when Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And uh, we pick up in verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat, by this time, was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and began, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So here we find the disciples once again on a boat. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go passage, go a couple passages back in the book of Matthew, you find the story where Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. And you, know, you kind of see a lot of these same storylines, a lot of these uh, phrases being brought out into both mm-hmm. stories. But... For some reason, just Jesus likes to mess with the disciples on the water. I guess so. <laughs> he, I really think Jesus kind of is using this, obviously, to teach his disciples something. Mm. But I also do kind of think that Jesus had a sense of humor. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> because I do think it is very funny that he is using this situation to teach them this lesson, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. I mean, we have to take it into like consideration what was going on here. The disciples were, you know, sent out after the whole fitting of the five thousand, Jesus stayed behind, was dismissing the crowd, you know. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was this mentality like, hey, get out of here. You guys go ahead. I'll catch you. Do you ever wonder what the disciples thought? Oh, Jesus is just gonna take another boat by himself? Like how he's gonna get over here. I yeah, I wonder that a lot. Because you know, Jesus knew exactly what he was about to do. But I don't think the disciples were being very obedient in this moment, which I thought was awesome because they didn't understand what Jesus was about to I do. I mean, Jesus, really, they they were obeying what Jesus said. Jesus <laughs> said, you guys go ahead and go on ahead. And they were like, okay, I, maybe there were other boats. Maybe there weren't. Yes. Maybe it was theirs was the only one. And they were like, Jesus, we're taking the only boat. How are you going to get over here? Jesus was like, ah, no, nah, it's okay. I'll get there. Yeah. So... Yeah. Props to all the disciples for doing that. Mm -hmm. They were able to get in and go. They did what Jesus said for them to do. Definitely. We find that, you know, the disciples are with that obedience. You know, that kind of gives us a model. Something when God says, hey, go ahead and do this. Mm -hmm. You know, to be just so willing, not to question, not to say, hey, God, how are you going to get across there? They just got up and left. Mm -hmm. And honestly, when I think about this story a lot, like that getting up and left, they left Christ behind on on the shore. And it's probably one of the few times that they were apart from Christ during the ministry mm-hmm. because they had just left him behind. And so you got to think the last time they were on the sea in the boat, 
in the middle of a storm. Jesus was with them just at the bottom of the boat. This time they're out there by themselves. You know what? I'm, I think I'm going to go ahead and read that story real quick. Go ahead. It's, it's real short. Uh, it's in uh, Matthew 8, uh, starts at uh, verse 23. And we're going to bring this up a little bit later, I think, mm-hmm. because this, this really ties in to um, the passage in chapter 14. Yeah. But it says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, uh, yeah. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man and Man is this that even the winds and sea obey him. So you know, the first time, like taking that script, that story in context, you know, this is before really Jesus kind of started revealing himself to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, this is he was doing small miracles. We saw like the wedding in Cana, which is the first miracle that's recorded that we see. How we see all the different small things where he healed somebody, where he's cast mm-hmm. demons out, where he's you know done the small miracles, even the calm in the store with his hand. Mm-hmm. You know. Not, not to say that uh, these weren't important miracles. No, but when we say like the small we, miracles, we're talking small numbers, right? We mean there would have been few witnesses, mm-hmm. uh, few people um, being impacted uh, personally by this. Yeah, because uh, when we talk like the story of when he healed somebody or when he cast the demons out of the maniac of Gadara, you know, he mm-hmm. said, hey, don't tell nobody yet because it's not my time yet. Mm-hmm. Even the wedding of Canaan, which we we're going to talk about today, but we're just going to push that off just a little bit longer because mm-hmm. it's important to talk about, but this is where God's leading us. But even in that moment, he talks to Mary and says, hey, woman, don't you know that it's not my time yet? That mm-hmm. My time has not come. So it... Before all this, you know, John the Baptist was in the scene. He was already doing all these miracles. He was baptizing people. He was prophesying about the Messiah to come. When Christ showed up on the scene, like we said last week, you know, John pointed straight, hey, that's the Messiah. Go follow him. And that's where some of the disciples of Christ came from, were those who were following after John. Well, you know, right before this passage in Matthew 14, we find John being beheaded. Right. Yeah, he's dead. You know, Jesus secludes himself for a moment. And then comes out as if, you know, ready. Okay, John's done. It's now my time. He really, if if we kind of read a little bit, uh, Jesus finds out about John the Baptist's death before he feeds the 5,000. It's literally right before. Yeah. Because the crowd hears he's in this area and they come to him. Mm-hmm. They almost sort of break his solitude, I guess you could say. Definitely, because, you know, he went into this, uh, according to like verse 13 and 14, he says, Now Jesus heard he withdrew from the boat to a desolate place for him by himself, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Mm-hmm. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. So, I mean, hey, there's nothing here. The day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus started doing the miracle. He said, but mm-hmm. Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. This is when Jesus started breaking out. Instead of doing a small miracle where only a few people are impacted at a time, where he's doing this so that he's not revealed early. John the Baptist is done. We can We can kind of put together that this is sort of... Jesus stepping out into the spotlight, definitely, so to speak. Because you know, doing a miracle where you feed five thousand people—that's mm. different than a wedding where it's like maybe fifty some odd people in a household. Yeah, that's that is a totally different world when it comes to the impact and the scale of mm. what all of those people would have witnessed wholeheartedly. And it's amazing to see what he's doing. And then he goes from that miracle where he's showing everybody these five thousand people, "Hey, this is who I am." Mm-hmm. To go into disciples and walking on the water. Mm-hmm. And that shows you just the sheer power of Christ in that. Absolutely. We we see this 
this picture of the the actual power over creation that mm. Jesus has. Um, but but what really breaks my heart is this story isn't just a story to show for Jesus to show what he can do. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, when Jesus comes down from the mountain and he walks across the water to go and meet up with his disciples who were already on the boat, already a ways off, they look out and they think that Jesus is a ghost. Yeah. And so you got to think, they're like, there's a ghost and we're out in this sea. We're going to die. Yeah, because We are going to die. We are dead men. Is the idea that we're in the most dangerous place. You know, water was, the sea was seen as mystical. You know, we mm-hmm. see these like these magical beasts, like if you ever look at medieval maps and stuff like that. Sea dragons, the leviathan, uh, giant squids, the kraken. You know, these massive beasts that we see as somewhat magical, if not mythical in that mm-hmm. aspect. So they see a ghost just show up. Well, what they think is a ghost. Oh, yeah. But for their eyes, because you had to think fourth watch is like 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. Oh, yeah. They're tired. They're a little bit delusional here. Mm -hmm. And if they're having to stay up, this seems a little bit tumultuous because, you know, we don't see the start where, hey, the wind just now picks up. They've been in a windy storm for a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does say that they've been beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. Yeah. So possibly it was like that from when they set sail. Yeah. So, I mean, they've been going all day with this. Because mm. you have to think, it was evening time when they fed everybody the food that Jesus said, okay, well, they're done eating, you get on out of here. Mm. And I'll catch up in a minute. So they've been on the sea for a couple hours here. Most likely, yeah. Because it's just got to be the mindset of the disciples. Mm. There's a ghost. We've been almost to the edge of death for like the last 14 hours. Lord, what is going on here? And it's kind of funny because in response to that, Jesus says something that we always think of angels Mm -hmm. say, which I think it's kind of funny because, you know, if you think about what biblical angels actually look like, Mm -hmm. you you realize there's a reason they say, hey, don't be afraid as soon as they show up. (laughs) (laughs) See, that'd be a good study for us to do. Like, what what do the different angels look like? Because there's multiple different kinds of angels. Oh, yeah, there's... But no, like you seriously, he shows up. They're like, "Ah, it's a ghost!" And his first response is, "Fear not, be not afraid." Exactly. As you get the King James, that fear not. Mm -hmm. You only can read King James in a very dramatic. No, yes, absolutely. You have to embrace like your super uh, old, uh, old school kind of uh, straight up Shakespeare. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Right on the world stage. Um, But. we see Jesus um, saying to them, hey, guys, it's me. Don't worry. It's just me. And um, I think people kind of skim over this part mm-hmm. because, you know, as we were kind of getting ready for us recording, this kind of hit me. Yeah. Um, but Peter says to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. That that question in itself, I think a lot of people kind of look at that and it's like, oh, he just wants to go out and meet Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think there's more to it than that. Yeah. Um, because I think Peter is uh, doubting and kind of testing to see if it actually is Jesus. Yeah, well, because last time like we were talking about what, what really took Peter to bow down to Christ and say, you must be the Son of God. Mm. Jesus had to do this massive miracle. It was uh, That was whenever uh, Jesus almost sank their boat. Yeah, with all the fish. It was, it was all the fish, yeah. And it was this miracle that Peter was looking for. Mm. Now here he is, oh, don't worry, it's me, it's Jesus. Once again, Jesus showing up saying, hey, don't worry, I am the Son of God. Mm. And Peter's like, where's my miracle? Yeah. And it's kind of, Peter is almost doubting what Jesus is saying. Yeah. He's like, if you're actually Jesus, tell me to come to you. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what Jesus does. Yeah. Which, that is 
a whole nother study that we could talk about. Oh yeah. Um, but Jesus does exactly what uh, Peter asked him to do, so that way um, they could get it. Mm-hmm. And um, well, it's like that moment, you know, say, you know, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. And Jesus simply says, "Come." Mm-hmm. It's literally in my head. I think. All right, then come on. Mm-hmm. If you if that's what you want, come on. Yeah, get over here. And Peter, he does it. Yeah. I mean, got to give him props to that. Again, this was him facing possible death. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking of this from a human perspective. Because he was already doubting yeah. that it was Jesus. But he was able to kind of build up his courage and step out of the boat. And he walks on the water out to Jesus. Yeah. And as he's walking out there, as he's walking out there, he gets distracted by all the wind. I think a lot of people go straight to he starts doubting again. But I want to kind of emphasize that I think it is very possible that the wind scared him oh, before he doubted. Well, that's kind of what drives him to that doubt is that fear kind of sets in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. They've been out there in this boat this entire time. This wind's been blowing this entire time. And he's yeah. going to ask God, hey, did that really be you? Call, Tell me to come out to you. And you know, just to kind of, this story is very uh, repetitive mm-hmm. uh, theme-wise. Because the reason he doubted in the first place was because he was scared because he thought that Jesus was a ghost. Yeah. Or, you know, also before then he was already scared because they were, being tossed and turned over in the sea. Exactly. So there's this exactly. level of fear that's already been driven through, and the fear is what led to doubt. The fear is driving the the doubt that yeah. he has. And, you know, we can see that back in that previous passage, that previous story in the sea. You know, they're out there. You know, they know Jesus is telling them, hey, let's go. We're going to go across the sea. I am with you. You know, let's go. They have Jesus in the bottom of the boat. Mm-hmm. And then the storm comes, which causes them the fear, which causes them to doubt Jesus. Jesus, do you not care for us? You know, why aren't you helping us here? Why do you sleep in the bottom of the boat while the rest of us are up here? And, you know, he says, why are the rest of us are up here afraid? Mm-hmm. Why are you down here? So do you not care for me? And so that's when Jesus gets up and calms the storm. And he's mm-hmm. like, you little you faith. Little faith. Why, do you, why are you afraid? Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that I, I honestly think, you know, a lot of us Christians kind of go through this moment. Before we get to the end of the story, I want to drive this home here. Because we get to this moment where you know there's a lot of things going on and we get afraid. Mm-hmm. We get tossed and turned, you know, with everything going on, with the pandemic, with the way the world's going, with everything that we're seeing stacked up. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on. I don't care what pew you sit in. Yeah. We've all gone through this moment where we get afraid by whatever's coming our way. You know, that's one thing I've noticed being a pastor is it's really hard sometimes because we are sitting here not only am i looking at hey you know this is my spiritual walk hey this is the church that i'm called to shepherd in ultimately i'm looking at hey this is my job mm-hmm. this is what brings food on the table yeah. <laughs> got it sorry <laughs> that was terrible i'm sorry i thought it was hilarious but you know this is what supplies for my family yeah and then it's kind of you know the church gets a little turmoil I kind of toss and turn. My family gets tossed and turned. My life gets turned upside down. And it happens to pastors all over the place. Mm. Happens to people in the church all over the place. Absolutely. And so what do they start doing? There's that fear that sets in. And then they start coming to that point of doubt. Yeah. And Lord, am I doing what you've called me to do? Lord, is this where I'm supposed to be at this time? Lord, am I doing what you've asked? Lord, where are you right now? Mm. I could really use you. You know, that's one one thing that was really fun to do. And, you know, we, we teach a youth, a youth group on Wednesdays. Yeah. And this past Wednesday, we asked that question. You know, if you're face-to-face with God, what was the one question you'd ask? Mm-hmm. And honestly, a lot of the questions that they asked really were about fear. There, was some, fear. there was some heavy stuff in it there. It was. And it was wonderful. Oh, yeah. It was a fantastic yeah. time. But that just hearing the fear and the doubt that came with it. And so it happens to Christians all over the church. Mm-hmm. But what are we like? What's our response? What should we do here? Well, 
Peter stepped out of the boat. <laughs> you gotta get up he and go. Walked anyway. over to God, and when he when he f- saw the wind, he felt the wind. He was scared again, <laughs> and that was it. He started to doubt again, and he started going under. It's but a, the beautiful yeah. part, the beautiful part of that, is Jesus immediately reaches out, grabs him, and pulls him up. Gets a hold of him. You know, that's one thing. Like when you, you and I were talking about this, like this picture of you know how does Jesus really kind of grab him? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that like he grabs his hand and says, "Okay, you swim while I walk," or yeah. he like just like picks him up out of the water. No, it's just he gets a hold of him. Means he has such a good grasp, like grasp on Peter that when he picks him up, he's along to arms. He's holding on for dear life. He's like, "Okay, we're walking together now." Mm-hmm. You know, he, lean on me, rely on me. Yeah. You know, this goes back to the idea. You know, when we're following after Christ here, you know, we get scared the first time. We get afraid. We get doubting. Mm-hmm. Christ says, "No, come on, Lord. That really, if this really be your will, let me follow after you." Mm-hmm. Let's call me out on the water. And then you step out of the water and you're like, okay, cool. You know, this must be God's will. I'm following after this. Then the then outside world again. happens. You get scared. And you start to sink. You know, the thing that I always thought, you know, you kind of get over your head, get in over your head a little bit here. They're watching Jesus like pull you out of that. Because, you know, when you're under the water, it's going to take a miracle to get you out of that. Oh, yeah. He was. He was in the sea, mm-hmm. and we kind of have an idea of what the waves themselves would have been like, considering they were losing their minds while they were inside of the boat. Yeah, if it's tossing the boat, those waves are huge. Oh, yeah, and so if if Peter is starting to go down out in the middle of the water, he's absolutely losing his mind. Mm-hmm. He gets to the point where he's almost hopeless. The only thing he can cry out is, Lord, save me. And that's exactly what happens. And the Lord comes up and saves him. See, holy. Is that kind of mindset that drives me insane? Mm-hmm. You know, one thing was uh, when I first got into ministry, I don't know if I've told you this story. Okay, I'm going to tell you the story today. <laughs> when I first got into ministry, I was like, God, I know I'm going after what you want me to do. I'm going to be obedient here. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in the middle of ministry school. I was, I got saved. I got my licensing when I turned 18, so saved with 14, licensing at 18. Got ordained uh, back in 2016. When I got ordained, it was after my pastoral ministry internship. I found a youth a church that needed a youth pastor. So I applied for it. I was like, okay, you know, Lord, this may be where you want me to go. Open up the position. Let it go smoothly. Let's see what happens. So I applied for it. I did that job for free. Volunteer youth pastor positions. What they're looking for somebody just come in and pour into the youth. It's a small little country church. Very nice people. A very beautiful church. Mm-hmm. Doing the job for free. Mm-hmm. It was a struggle sometimes to get gas money to go out there. Well, after I graduated, I couldn't stay at the church anymore. I had to move back home. So I resigned. I looked at oh, God. I know it called the ministry here. Open up another position, and a part-time youth ministry position opened up. Student pastor position. So I went for it. Part-time as a single man, good job. Yeah, I did everything I could. I was working that plus another child evangelism fellowship ministry. I was charging the ministry coordinator over there. So I was making some money. But it was really hard to live off that check after I got married. I was like, God, you know, I'm in over my head here. I thought I'm supposed to be doing what you, you know, I got afraid. There were some days, you know, that I had to choose gas money over food. You know, how are we going to mm-hmm. do this? And there's many days I skipped lunch because I just could not afford it. And I couldn't bring something two hours away mm-hmm. there because I didn't even have a lunchbox with me. So I got scared. I started doubting, God, am I really doing what you called me to do? Is this where I'm supposed to be at? Lord, I really need you to guide my steps here. Lord, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Lord, if that really be you, command me to come out on the water. And ultimately after that, you know, Kayla and I were married to work at that church for a year. And I was like, God, you know, if you'd have me to go, where would you want me to go? And one thing is for sure certain is I'm a Baptist. You know, we, we don't like change. That's why we can't be cashiers because we can't change very well. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Bad uh-huh. We need like a whole laugh track in here because you're not working very well. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> but I really wanted to step out God guide my next step here. Mm-hmm. And he opened up the church where we're at now. And I did that exact thing Peter was asking for. God showed me the miracle. God, this is where you want me to be. And I have like my roadblocks. I was like, God, these are my requirements. This is what you have to meet. And I will go. No questions asked. And Jesus said, come on. He said, come. Everything. I should have asked for a brand new car. Oh, yeah. I should have asked God. Just make a brand new car pop out of nowhere. So let me have one. Oh, yeah. Shoot for the stars at that I'll moment. You, I mean, boy. come on. <laughs> Because it would have just been awesome. If we could get a Ferrari out of this, might as well. <laughs> <laughs> that prosperity gospel, right? <laughs> oh, that's a whole nother, oh, Lord, no. a whole nother <laughs> thing that we'll get into eventually, I'm sure. But anyways, back to the main uh, topic we had. Lord, help us. <laughs> but this has been topic, you know, I got over it in my head yeah. plenty of times. You know, I got afraid. I started doubting. Mm-hmm. And it happens to all of us because, Lord, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing here? And and the beautiful thing with all of that, just like in this story, you took the steps Jesus said. <laughs> even if you, even if it's that moment of, if that is you, tell me to come to you. <laughs> Jesus says, "All right, come on." You get out there and you come. You are obedient to Jesus in that moment. Yeah, you are obeying exactly what he has said, but there's still that doubt that comes around. But the beautiful part is Jesus is right there, ready to pick you back up. Yeah, and he pulls you right out, right back. And see, the, one of my favorite parts of the story, and this is always the ending part, because mm-hmm. everybody's like, "Oh, cool, you know, they they pulled him out of the water, sweet, whatever, cool." And what happens now? There is. It takes a little bit of reading between the lines. Mm-hmm. But there is a whole beautiful moment. Because this moment wasn't just important for Peter. No, And was... I I don't mean that specifically for the fact that Peter was the one that went and walked on the water. Mm-hmm. That is a miracle in of itself. But Jesus is performing a second miracle for the other disciples to believe. Yeah. So we can look out over here. Uh after Jesus reaches down and pulls Peter out, he says, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? <laughs> and uh, verse 32, it says, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, that that on itself might not really seem like much, but this is the reason why I went ahead and read that other passage when <laughs> Jesus calms the storm. Because here, the disciples were afraid. <laughs> when Peter walked on water, that was when uh, he says, uh, why did you doubt? Yeah. There's that same being afraid followed by doubt. <laughs> and then uh, when he calms the storm, um they they ask him what sort of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him the reason that they are saying truly you are the son of god once jesus got into the boat is because jesus just answered their question that they said a few chapters earlier mm-hmm. This these stories might look like they're separate stories, but you have to keep in mind this is the story of Jesus. All this is all one story. It's not separate. We might talk about different points in it, but this is all the same story. Mm-hmm. So he is using something that happened however long ago as a teaching moment for the rest of the, of the disciples to get it. One thing that I'm, it popped in my head right now. And I really love this is in the first story, he gets up and he puts his hand up and he stops. He commands the storm to cease. Mm -hmm. 
It just took him getting in the boat for the All it took out. was him to hop in. That's all it was. No command. No nothing. The wind just knew what to do. Mm-hmm. Almost. Almost as if it's a, oh, hey, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Like, we, we get the this world, one, Jesus. <laughs> the world itself realized, oh, there's a storm. Jesus is in a boat. Let's knock it off. All right. We're done. Okay. <laughs> Turn off the lights. We're shutting her down. That's a wrap, kids. Let's go. <laughs> and oh, just the the fact that it changes because God showed Himself with that pause, mm-hmm. but in this moment, you know, Jesus already shown Himself in His full potential. Because mm-hmm. not only is He walking on water, you know, for us to match that, you know, we have to run at an ex- an exorbitant amount of speed like i mean we have to go so fast that our feet don't have a chance to sink in the water so we're having to run extremely fast you know i love the incredibles it's a fantastic movie mm-hmm. when dash is able to run across the water because yes. he's just running at full speed just full tilt and he's like okay oh cool i'm running on water but what happens when he stopped Sploosh. right into the water mm-hmm. so it means the speed is what kept him on the water because he's keeping that surface tension going on his foot yeah. You know, the Flash was able to do the same thing. And it's just like, oh, cool. Superman, whatever he's super speed superhero you want to go after, they can do this at an exorbitant amount of speed. Jesus is simply walking on the water. Mm. So he's already shown, hey, I'm above the is, laws of what you call physics here. He looks at physics and says, <laughs> funny joke. <laughs> I'm the one in control. Yeah. Not the laws of physics. Here. Yeah. So he walks out. Not only that, he makes Peter walk out. Some just plain dude. Not even God. This is Peter. This is just some guy who was a fisherman. That he called off a boat. Mm-hmm. And that he renamed because he didn't even like his name in the first place. You are Simon. I shall now call you Cephas. Which is Peter. Mm-hmm. You are now Stone. You just gotta imagine that. You are, I don't like your name. You are now Cephas. Not what Jesus said, but that's the only thing I can imagine. But he has Peter to step out of the boat, walk to him. Mm-hmm. You know, when he falls in the one, when he starts to doubt, Jesus picks him back up. But it says they both got back in the boat. When he got a hold of him, they both got in the back of the boat. I don't think Jesus picked up Peter and was carrying him like a bride. Mm-hmm. Because for a guy in this time, that would be very demasculating mm-hmm. to be held like that, to be held like a child. He very much picked him up, linked arms, held him up, said, lean on me. Mm-hmm. And they walked back. Supporting him more than carrying him. Carrying him. And that's really where kind of we have to have this relationship with Christ in that. You know, when we're going through this moment of doubt, when we're going through these moments of fear, when we're to the point where we're over our head. Mm-hmm. God says, don't rely on you, because obviously you can't, because this is what got you in this place. Yeah. Rely on me. Lean on me. Wrap your arms. Let's walk back. Mm-hmm. You know, the disciples in the boat, watch this whole like, transaction happen. Yeah. And it took the wind stopping for them to fall down on their face and worship him. Mm-hmm. And truly, you are the Son of God. Mm-hmm. The disciples were finally convinced. And it's weird to think that it took them this long. I mean, let's be real. It's true. Because, <laughs> I mean, even they saw Jesus take just uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. Mm-hmm. That's it. Five loaves of bread and two fish. And feed 5,000. 5,000 people ate off of that. Five, or, uh, I'm getting the numbers mixed up now. Five loaves of bread and two fish. Mm-hmm. That's... Impossible. Exactly. I mean, exactly. three of those fish and two loaves of bread will feed just me. I mean, come on. Yeah. And also, by the way, there was leftovers. Tons of leftovers. So just always remember that. There there was There leftovers. was more than enough. I mean, that never happens in my house. I don't no, know what leftovers never. are. Um, but uh, that is just one example of the things that they saw. They saw Jesus do not only that, but they saw him heal tons of different things. Mm-hmm. Paralyzed man, uh, lepers. Um, 
they saw him cast out demons. They saw him uh, turn the water into wine at Cana. Mm-hmm. They were able to witness each and every one of the miracles that Jesus did. And Dude. still, they doubted at that point. It's not convinced. Well, you have to think, though, for, for their benefit here. You now, these Jewish men, people who raised on the law, people who knew the history of Israel. Mm-hmm. Moses was able to part the Red Sea. Oh, yeah. Moses was able to make water come out of a rock. Mm-hmm. You know, they've seen miracles like this throughout their history. They knew that they existed. Even John the Baptist, you know, beforehand, you know, he's doing these wonderful things, these yeah. signs of miracles and wonders. You know, all these things are throughout their history. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can kind of get it. Like, I, hey. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not blaming them because, I mean, let's be real, all of us. Yeah, all of things the that we see with our own eyes all the time. Mm-hmm. But I I keep going back to God has shown you Himself as clear as day. How can you not get it? And I kind of, to a certain extent, ask that question to myself mm-hmm. and some of those around me even because like there are moments in life where god will give you an answer black and white clear as day but then we're just kind of like really though (laughs) is that actually what you're telling me is that really you that's out there on the water if it is tell me to come to you how about that when Jesus has already given us a black and white answer. Oh, yeah. Well, I kind of see it, though, because you had to take Christ for the disciples. This is just now when Christ reveals truly who he is. That is a good point. But you're right. We have so many people who are sitting there. You know, Christ has already revealed himself. You know, the difference mm-hmm. between Moses and Christ, you know, the two the great prophets that we see in the mm-hmm. Old Testament and Christ was whose power they were relying on. You know, the Moses was relying on God's power to be able to do these ma- massive miracles. And Jesus, you know, got in the boat and the storm stopped. Didn't have to say in the name of the Almighty Father. There was no command or anything that came out of Jesus' mouth. That, as I'm saying that, that makes me think. When Jesus calms the storm... He rebukes the wind and the sea. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that was all that it took. Jesus saying it that one time for the wind and sea to realize that Jesus was in the boat again. Would you rebuke somebody? You come from a position of authority. You come from a position of I am the one who knows. I'm the one in charge here. Mm-hmm. When Jesus rebuked the wind and the sea, he says, I'm the one in control. I'm the one in charge here. And the wind remembers. The mm-hmm. sea remembers. Which that's weird to think about. Yeah, well, because God created all of this. Because yeah. They would have known it from the beginning. You know, but is this mentality, you know, God was in control. You know, the first time when he rebuked, it was really showing the miracle. Hey, I'm in control of the sea. Because really that Mm. rebuking was for the disciples. Mm. You know, the words, the hand up in the air. I don't think Jesus would have had to do that. I don't think that was necessary. Very much. Jesus could have just been looked up at Peter and said, it's already done. Why are you talking Mm. to me for? You just go back upstairs and get done. I'm sleeping here. It was for the disciples to see it. Mm -hmm. But this is the time when Jesus shows up. I don't even have to do that. Mm. You know, you're going back to your idea, like, well, there's a lot of people out there. You know, how can they not see when God's already revealed himself to them? Mm. Why are they still questioning it? What's the point? Really? I'll go. If you do this, I'll, I'll yeah, sure, I'll come. Mm-hmm. If, you know, man, if God is really real, you know, you know if, he'll show up. If you really want me to do this, you know, a new Ferrari would be really nice. Hey, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> when you get rebuked on a podcast. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that because let's be real, all of us, all of us do that. It is that mentality, you know. We have we have to put up roadblocks. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And it's very much, you know, for me, it was lack of maturity. Mm-hmm. It was knowing that, hey, God, you know, we were close, but I'm still new at this. I need to see your clear command. Well, that is, yeah, that that in itself is, I think, a part of growing as a Christian. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, starting out, there are a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And you may not necessarily realize what it even means for God to speak to you in some way. Yeah. So that really might be like, hey, God, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is you. I need that clear command. Command me to come out on the waters with you. Exactly. I need to see the orders. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one. I grew up in a military family. That was always something like my dad. I always asked, dad, dad, where are we going next? Or, you know, when we get ready to move. Dad, where's our next station? So we'll find out when we get our orders in. My dad never knew, you know, when he was going to get shipped over seas or if he was going to get shipped out to another base until he got his orders. Mm-hmm. And we're waiting for that. When it comes to life in ministry, when it comes to life in Christ, a lot of us need that orders. And, you know, it's kind of that, God, I want to be closer to you. God, I need to know what your voice sounds like. Lord, I need you. And he says, all right, come on. Yeah. So he gives the voice. He speaks to us. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to see. I just think about Peter stepping out on the water. That first step always kind of gets me. Because I really want to know, like, did he come out there, like, put his like big toe down? Then, like, okay, I can step on here. I want to. I wish somewhere in the Bible there was more detail about that. Because mm-hmm. there are so many things that could have been going on. I. I'm kind of wondering if the other disciples even were like, dude, he's told you to go out there, so what are you doing staying in here? I don't know. I can see the other side of that. So the disciples were like, Peter, don't go. That's obviously a ghost. Exactly. There are just so many different things that could have been going on mm-hmm. with that first step. And then you got to think the second step when he's totally out of the boat. Mm-hmm. The disciples are there like, okay, Peter's walking on water. What's going on here? <laughs> exactly. Lord, is that really? You always see that one. That actually comes with like a lot of times in our life of Christ when we're following after God. And they're like, are you really following Jesus here? Because I'm just imagining the disciples here. Peter, are you sure that's Jesus that you're walking out to? Or is that just a ghost playing with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we fall after our call. And that's one thing that comes down to is, you know, I think. I think of my superhero, Job, you know, mm-hmm. left his wife there for a reason. No, <laughs> my wife's going to hit me for that one. But, you know, <laughs> this mentality of, you know, all the people around you, your family, are they supporting you in the calling? Yeah. A lot of times you do get that question. Are you sure that's what you're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. A lot of them think, honestly, a lot of people think they're doing it in good, good faith, good cause here. They're wanting oh, yeah. to make sure you're positive that you're taking the right action. And I, If there was a situation like that ever to come up, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to blame them for thinking that way. No. But that is simply somebody wanting to look out for you and make sure you're doing the right thing. Yeah, they're caring for you because exactly. they want to make sure you're doing Exactly. You know, you, you never had the conversations about like actions that you want to do, everything that we've had, like plans and journeys. And I was like, you know, I want you to make sure you're doing this like thoughtfully. I want you to make sure you're thinking mm-hmm. it through, which on the other end, you know, I also want you to be able to step out on faith and just go. Just go. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of faith that we need to rely on because you, on one hand, you want to think it through. On the other hand, you want to step out and jump out of the boat. Because mm-hmm. me knowing now, like the story of Peter, God calls me out in the water. I'm jumping over the board. I'm jumping over the side of the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to Jesus. There's no hesitation. That water is mm-hmm. going to hold me. Yeah. And I know it is. The only reason why I know it is is because I've already been on the water. Because mm-hmm. if you ever think Peter is talking to Christ, Christ down in the water and Peter's like, hey, Jesus, that's really you. Call me out on the water again to see what happens. God's like, okay, Peter, come on. I wholeheartedly think that is a possibility. <laughs> Peter would have sprinted. I believe that. He would have danced on that water. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I would have danced on that water. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, I think, you know, even like the chairs I sit in, you know, I'm a big boy. Mm-hmm. Even the chairs I sit in, I'm kind of worried, you know, is this going to hold me? Mm-hmm. 
Jesus comes up and goes, hey, sit in that chair. You'll be fine. I'm going to sit in that chair quickly. Yeah. We're going to say, all right. Poop. That is that is officially my favorite chair. I'm going to carry that chair everywhere I go. Why? Because it's my Jesus chair. That's my Jesus chair. <laughs> <laughs> so you folks at home, be sure to get your Jesus chair. I mean, come on. You can find them at. <laughs> There's your commercial for this podcast. <laughs> but it's just, it's amazing to see what God really does in the life of the disciples. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all this thing, we're going to this idea of being comfort, uncomfortable, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, all these things were really kind of bringing Peter out of his comfort zone, bringing him off the boat, the place that Peter spent a majority of his time. That boat was not just his comfort zone. That was his survival zone. That's everything. There. If he was outside of that boat in the storm, there was very much the potential for death. Wholeheartedly. And Jesus said, hey, I know what you're thinking. I know that that is the place where you are safe. But I'm telling you, hey, come out here. Mm-hmm. Get off the boat. Come to me. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes a lot of times to this idea of going into ministry, going into our calling, following after God closely, even if that following after God is just talking to our best friend about Christ. Mm-hmm. Sharing the gospel with somebody that we feel close to, though we don't want to ruin that relationship with. You know, where for what if they uh, hate me because I push Jesus upon them? It can be a very scary thing. It can be, but we really need to be willing to kind of get uncomfortable, be comfortable with that uncomfortable. Because we see Peter after this moment, his entire outlook changes. Mm-hmm. You know, God calls him to do something, he steps up and goes. When God calls him to do something amazing, he steps out and goes. The next time we really see him fail is at the crucifi- uh, right before Christ is crucified, when he denies Christ three times. But even before that moment happens, Peter was so bold in the defense of Christ, he drew a sword and chopped off the ear of a Roman guard. Mm. He was willing to go to the extreme. He was. We have to realize he attacked a Roman soldier. That would have instantly been okay you are now hostile to the roman empire you're you died a dead here because you had to think it wasn't just one guard that came to get jesus they brought a squad oh there yeah was other romans there they would have had to because they don't know if the disciples were going to fight or not no because you think 12 men and you know, tw- 12 men with rocks and whips and whatever they had with them is as dangerous to one century one to roman guards mm. to one guard so they came with a good, you good come spot with a group, and that they're after that's going to change. And you chop off the ear. And you have to think, just the life of Peter alone, after this moment, changed the trajectory so much. Mm. That even after the crucifixion, even after he repented three times to Christ, his ministry later on in Scripture that we see how bold he stood up for the faith. Mm-hmm. How, yeah, he was rebuked another time by Paul. But as he's constantly going after, he's constantly testing these other people coming up saying, I want to proclaim Christ. He's teaching mm-hmm. boldly. To the point where even up to his death, he was crucified. And in his boldness, he says, hang me upside down because I cannot be like Jesus. Which that would have, I wouldn't have been able to imagine that. The amount of pain and Not only, so I'm sure we'll talk about it if we ever talk about the actual crucifixion of Jesus. Which I'm sure we will eventually. We'll get there, yeah. But I'll go ahead and just real quick say, whenever you're... What killed you on the cross wasn't blood loss. Mm-mm. It wasn't uh, any sort of other. I don't know what I'm even trying to say. There's no other. Cause. It was yes. It was suffocation that yeah. killed you. You suffocate because all of your body weight is hanging on your lungs. Mm-hmm. They would uh, do all sorts of miserable things while you were up there, and you would just be in pain and agony, and you would. Hang there until you stopped breathing. Yeah, and the only way to get a breath was to push down on the nails on your feet and pull up on the ones in your hand. Which would just make everything hurt even more. Well, because even in that moment when they dropped you, in the, when the cru- uh, cross was dropped into the hole, your shoulders would be dislocated. Mm. So just to be have to pull on dislocated joints alone just to breathe. The, the Roman Empire was the smartest empire of any kind Masters when it came to torture. Oh yeah. They knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And Peter was willing to say, "Hey, 
I know that I'm going to be on that cross and I am going to suffocate. But that is the way my Jesus died. And I don't want to encroach on that. So hang me. So turn my cross upside down. (laughs) Then we have this picture of, okay, he's still going to suffocate. But now whatever blood is still inside of his body is rushing to his head. Mm -hmm. All of the weight is pulling down on the nails in his hands and feet. So Mm. it's not, he can't pull himself up at all to get another breath. If anything, I kind of question if Peter had a worse crucifixion because he was upside down. That's a good question. We'll have to look into that more because I think, you know, I get migraines. And just to think about the blood rush to your head, the amount of pressure in your head. If you, if you stay upside down for a few seconds, you can feel that pressure build up. Yeah, and then do that for hours. Exactly. While you're also in pain. Exactly. You've, While you're also being mocked. You've already been beaten and tortured, mm-hmm. and now you are upside down with all the blood rushing straight to, to your brain. It's, it's a hard reality. Honestly, this is, that just came from the boldness of Peter. It changed his trajectory. This, this moment. Changed everything. I think Peter really took it to heart mm-hmm. whenever Jesus said, why did you doubt? Yeah. And from then on out, all the way up until death of Christ, when he was walking with Jesus. Yeah, I'm very wholeheartedly. Peter was his hype guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jesus is going to walk up. He's like, oh, don't worry. My Jesus got this. Watch this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's one of my favorite things. You find you know, a lot of my mentors, people who have been through this, who've been through some of the walk that I'm going through now, that's always their response is, oh, just wait. It gets good from here. And I'm always because, you know, when you're in the spot, when you're in that moment where you're doubting and you're afraid of everything, someone looks at you and goes, oh, don't worry, it'll get better from here. That's not very comforting. No. I I always think of at funerals. Mm-hmm. This is instantly where my mind goes whenever I think of something like that. Some random person coming to visitation and saying, oh, I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? Yeah. Like, come on. What is what is the help in saying sorry? Did you kill the guy? I mean... Are, are, are you the reason that he died? Yeah. And if you are... There's a confession here. Yeah. But there is... Now, that's kind of a stretch from what, the point I'm trying to make. Go for it. But um, it's kind of the idea of having uh, having someone there almost mm-hmm. being able to come up to you and say, hey, I know it sucks. It looks like it's gonna suck, but just wait, it's getting good. Mm-hmm. And I think like a TV show. yeah, if you've seen a TV show and it's like, oh, you love this TV show, but you know it's kind of bad in the first couple episodes or whatever. but you know, hey, just get through the first few episodes. It gets real good. Trust yeah, me. Picks up from there. Exactly. That's kind of that's kind of the best I equate. Mm-hmm. Something like well, that. And it comes down to that kind of life. If you know, it gets it gets better. And it's only reason why they know is because you've watched the TV show or TV show already. Exactly. You've already been through that moment. Exactly. You know, I find myself singing the old gospel song. God said we're going to make it mm-hmm. so much. Everybody looks at me and goes, you know, hey, this is going through rough times. I just didn't hear God said we're going to make it. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I know that is because so far God's let me made it. You know, going back to the point you said earlier about uh, how if Peter was called out, called to walk on the water mm-hmm. a second time, I wholeheartedly think, yeah, he would have jumped out of the boat and just gone. Yeah. But I also think that if Jesus called someone else, to come out of the boat, Peter would have been there ready to throw him out. Yeah, let's go, guys. <laughs> Peter would have been like, you, you start walking, I'll come next to you. 
Let's go, because this is awesome. You want to see this. Yeah. And that, honestly, that should be how we are mm-hmm. whenever it comes to us communicating Jesus. Yeah. Just being there like, hey, I am here. Jesus is there. I want to do everything I can so you're able to step out of the boat and go to him Mm -hmm. because I have done that. I have seen what Jesus has done for me, and I want you to be able to see what Jesus can do for you. So go. Yeah. I mean, just it's kind of our call to ministry right there. Mm -hmm. You know, why do we keep leading people to Christ? Well, it's because I've been there already. I've already knelt down and given my life to Jesus. And trust me, my life has changed for the better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the reasons why I got into youth ministry. It's why I think, you know, the altar call is the most important part of the church service. Mm-hmm. It's because I've been down to the altar. I know what it's like to be following my faith before God and say, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. And just to be able to watch what changed in my life, seeing how much the Lord has worked in me. Because the thing is that, Lord, I need you was just the start. Mm-hmm. The Lord didn't stop working right after he saved me. He kept changing, kept changing me, kept working on me. I look at my Facebook posts. You ever look at your Facebook memories like from a couple years back? I don't have Facebook. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I do it all the time. And I get like super cringe. Like I, I look at my posts and go, that was me. Oh, yeah. Nine oh, years yeah. ago, 10 years ago. I'm sitting here going, what was I thinking? Man, I was stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, back again, the nine, ten years ago, though, you know, some of these social medias were brand new. That's also true. Yeah, this makes me feel old real quick. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I look back that far and go, wow, look at that. Mm-hmm. Look where I'm at now. I'm like, Lord, you know, 15-year-old me would not imagine me sitting behind the desk, me standing behind a pulpit preaching, mm-hmm. me teaching youth about Jesus. 15-year-old me did not see that. I wholeheartedly believe young fisherman Peter would have never believed that he would be out walking on water with the savior of the world. No, he did not. And it's amazing and wonderful. Guys, that's honestly one of the things that we really want to send off with you guys here. Mm -hmm. So make sure (laughs) check it, watch it, read this passage. For real. And honestly, we could get some things wrong. We're humans. We are imperfect. And this podcast, we call it the small group podcast because we're trying again. I said this in the intro episode. We are trying to design this like a small group. We want to be a part of a discussion with you guys. Yeah, We want to talk out things that maybe you agree or disagree with things maybe that you have a little different insight into because ultimately that is going to build all of us up that's what a small group is built for yeah because you know everything about reading the scripture is about perspective Mm -hmm. you know my eyes are different than your eyes i come from a different background than you do that's Mm -hmm. the whole point of this rev and kev you know mentality exactly and coming from this idea of, hey, what do you see in Scripture? Mm. So if you guys have something different, please reach out to us. Absolutely, guys. Send us send us any sort of comments on that. Uh, don't forget, you can ask us all kinds of questions. We're still uh, planning on having our little uh, Ask a Pastor segment. But guys, reach out to us. If you want to email us, Food at the table podcast at gmail.com. Just type it up real quick, shoot it on over, we'll get it. If you guys uh, want to DM us over uh, whatever sort of social media, if uh, you guys see a post that we have, uh, go ahead and interact with it. Tell us, uh, comment, uh, anything and everything. We'll yeah. be looking at those. But uh, if you're on TikTok, uh, search rev.wayne. That is Wayne's account, and he will see it. He will bring it up to the show, possibly. Yeah, uh, I have that Q and A started up on my uh, channel. You guys should just go in the Q and A, drop your comment, so you nobody go. else has to look at it, throw it in there. It's real quick and easy. Um, 
if you guys are on Facebook and Instagram, uh, look up at Food at the Table Podcast. You'll be able to find us on there. And if you're on Twitter, look up at Food at the Table. Guys, we, we set up all of these so that that way you guys would be able to be a part of this. We Wayne and I kind of joke around, but we call this the small group podcast. But in reality, we're, this, we're designing this to be a giant small group. Oh, definitely. Because we want you guys to be a part of this as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking at having some people on this podcast come be part of the small group with mm-hmm. us. But this is our big small group. Yeah. And we are once again blessed to have you guys on this channel. With Absolutely. Us. Now, as we like to do at the end of the podcast, we do want to pray with you guys. We want to spend some time in prayer with God because this is honestly impossible without him. It and is. we are amazed by what he can do. Mm-hmm. You know, we do have a couple prayer requests, but we have been asking, you know, not to say them on the podcast itself. So we are going to pray for those people. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not mention names here. I might not even mention the needs. Mm-hmm. But the Lord knows what's going on. So let's go ahead and pray together on this. So Lord, we thank you so much for an opportunity where we on this podcast can stop and pray to you. We thank you so much for an opportunity to be able to reach so many people with the words that you have given us, Lord, with, just with your word. And God, as we pray for our listeners, as we pray for our friends and families, those who have reached out to us, we thank you so much that they are willing to step out of their comfort zone, Lord, and be able to ask for help, ask for prayer. And Lord, we lift up their needs to you today. We pray that you be ever so present in their lives. Lord, let them see you in their works. Lord, let them understand exactly what you have coming for them. And Lord, we ask you for healing. We ask you for guidance. We ask you for strength and perseverance through all these struggles and trials and tribulations. And God, we thank you so much that we can pray to you in such an intimate way. And we thank you so much. Since holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Y'all, we thank you so much for joining us here at Food at the Table, the small group podcast with Rev and Kev, as I get really serious right here at the end of the story. But thank you so much for jumping on with us. We'll hope to see you guys next time.